Hey, good morning, everybody. It is good to be worshiping with you this morning. Uh, I'm Jeff Bills, uh, lead pastor here at Hope. If you're visiting with us online, this is your first time. Welcome. Glad to have you as a part of our church experience. We're going to be sharing communion, as Steve said at the opening. So if you haven't already, grab some elements, uh, some bread, some juice, and uh, we'll be sharing that uh, at the end of the message this morning. Last week, I mentioned about our Hope Outside ministry initiative for the summer. I wanted to say another word about that. So we are not together, but we can still be in ministry together, and that's what Hope Outside is all about. We're going to be sharing ways that together, apart, we can be blessing the communities that we live in. And so we're going to each week have a service initiative for you and or your family uh, to participate in, and we'll all be doing the same initiative together. That's part one. Part two is what we're calling our Hope Outside Challenge, and that's where you as an individual or individual family come up with your own ideas of how to bless your neighbors, your community, and uh, you share that with us on video. We'll be sending more information to you about that. One of the things I wanted to highlight, though, is our T-shirt. So one of our uh, 20-somethings, Elena, uh, (laughs) Elena? Yeah. Alana. Alana. I don't know where Elena came from. It works either way. It does, except if your name is Alana. Mm -hmm. So Alana uh, created this logo for us. Uh, I love it. We put it on a t-shirt, and uh, so those are going to be kind of the Hope Outside uniform. So if you haven't already done it, I want you to go to meethope.org backslash t-shirt and uh, order your t-shirt. They cost eight bucks. That's what they cost us. That's what we're asking you to pay. Six dollars for kids. If you can't afford right now, if uh, you're out of work and so forth, and you can't afford a t-shirt right now, we want you to have a t-shirt. So go online, order your t-shirt. It will cost you nothing. Mm. And uh, if you are able to afford it, and maybe a little extra, if you can give a little extra, that'll cover the cost for some folks who can't right now afford one. If you're out of state, but you're tuning in each week, we, uh, how many states, uh, Rick? Uh, at least 10 every Sunday. Every Sunday, mm-hmm. 10 different states. So we've had much more uh, com- over the uh, whole time. Anyway, if you're out of state, we want you to have a t-shirt as well. So go ahead and register, um, and we'll send your t-shirt to you. If you can throw in a couple of extra bucks for uh, the uh, shipping costs, that would be great, but we want you to have a t-shirt. I'm really excited about this summer initiative, Hope Outside. Speaking of exciting, I'm here with Mr. Exciting, <laughs> Pastor Rick, and uh, we're pretty excited about this series. Yeah, yeah, we're in this series that we're calling Red Letters. This is uh, week four of our series, and and uh, just a quick recap of where we've been. We've been looking at the words that Jesus spoke, and uh, in particular, the teachings that Jesus taught uh, uh, that will help us develop our spiritual lives. And so we started out looking at that Jesus talked about that the foundation uh, for our lives needs to be found in him, in Jesus, and that, and that who we are and who we become is determined by the time that we spend walking with Jesus. That it's not about the things that we do. That doesn't bring value to our lives. It's about who we are and who we become. And then our response is to go out and do things and change the world, like things like hope outside. But it's about who we are and our faith in Christ. Then last week, we talked about that we're wired for relationships, that we have horizontal and vertical relationships relationships, that we have our uh, horizontal relationship with the people that, that we see every day and then throughout our weeks. And then we have this vertical relationship with God. And 
those two relationships can't be separated, that the horizontal and vertical are deeply connected. And, and we even ended last week with a challenge of asking the question. I saw a few social media posts about this as well. People said they were taking this challenge of asking the question, what does love require of me? And then doing it. So it's that idea of who am I and how do I now do this in the world? And so there's these other relationship, horizontal relationship implications and principles that we're going to look at moving further in the series. So we're talking about these, rela- these horizontal relationships, us and others. And um, they can at times become difficult, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, you all heard the phrase, it's not rocket science. And what that means is rocket science is complex, and what we're talking about right now is not that complex. Relationships are rocket science. (laughs) Relationships are complex. And what makes them so complex is how different we all are from one another. We all have our different experiences, our different backgrounds, our different cultures. All of that is different about us. So I was born in America on the eastern seaboard. I was born male, I was born white, I was born into a particular family. None of that did I have any uh, influence or, uh, at all in. That's just part of who I am. Then I went on and I got an, educa- an education. I developed relationships with different people. I had different experiences. All of that becomes the filters through which I come into the world that I experience the world. I have all of those. And so does every human being that I meet. We all have those filters. At some point in a relationship, those things are going to clash. My experience, my background, my education, who I am is going to clash with who you are, who the other person is that I'm in relationship with. And that's what makes them so complex and so difficult. We're bound to do things that clash with each other. I'm going to say something or do something that offends you, or you're going to do that for me, with me. Most times, it's going to be unintentional. Sometimes, frankly, it's going to be intentional. And so if uh, forgiveness isn't part of the mix, then our relationships are going to continue to devolve and break down and uh, we're going to be in a bad place uh, with each other. Yeah, so our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with humanity, it can be broken, right? It can be marred, and it, it can be disrupted by chaos and sin. And that's why Jesus had a lot to say about relationships and about forgiveness. And so we're going to talk about prayer next week. That's actually uh, the theme for next week. But since we just prayed together the Lord's Prayer, there are even lessons in that prayer that we can see that Jesus was teaching about relationships and forgiveness, that they're so important to the kingdom that he refers to it in his theme when he's talking about prayer. So when he told the disciples, uh, here's how you can pray, he began by saying, our Father, right? And it's going to be on the street. He says, our Father in heaven. We can't recite the Lord's Prayer without acknowledging that we have a connection to other people. That it's not about my father, it's about our father. That there's this unifying theme throughout this prayer. Uh, we, we pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we live in this world where God's will, where we desire that God's will and God's way would reign. That's God's kingdom, right? But we live in this world that is divided and polarized with multiple viewpoints and multiple opinions and We're praying, God, I don't want my way. See, it's never about us. It's about 
others. It's about God. I don't want my way. I don't want my opinion, my political agendas, my ideas. God, when we're praying this prayer, we're praying, God, we want, I want your will and your way. God goes, or Jesus goes on in the prayer and he says, give us today the food that we need. Together again. This is not give me, but give us. So we ask God to meet our needs together. So when someone in the kingdom of God is suffering, we are all suffering together. It's always about us. There's this unifying theme. And then he concludes the prayer with, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Again, forgive us. Always plural. And forgive others. That we forgive others, he says, the same way that we've been forgiven. That's the type of forgiveness that we are supposed to offer to each other. The same kind of forgiveness that we've received from God. Yeah. So within uh, the kingdom of God then, and, and as Rick described, the kingdom of God, uh, the shorthand way of talking about that is uh, the kingdom of God is anywhere where God's will and God's way prevails. Mm. In the kingdom of God, forgiveness is normative and foundational. It's normative, meaning it's a regular part of what it means to live within the kingdom of God, and it's foundational. It's not an ancillary thing like a, an afterthought. It's foundational. Mm -hmm. So much so that here's the question. Why did Jesus come in the first place? Why did God take on human flesh and come to earth? He came to bring us forgiveness, to reconcile us to himself through the forgiveness of sin. That's why Jesus came. And so foundational is it that it's embodied in the very reason that he came. And then he, and, uh, when he's asked, how do I communicate with the Father? How do I pray? Jesus includes in that prayer, talk about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgive us our sin, our debt, our trespass, whatever, it's all the same idea. Forgive us our sin. That's the vertical, right? That's our relationship to God. God, forgive our sins. Forgive my sins. Then horizontal, as I forgive those who have sinned against me. This is person to person. Forgive me in the way that I forgive others. And this interconnection between the horizontal and the vertical is even in the prayer that he prayed and in this idea of uh, calling us to forgive one another, to be a people of forgiveness. And so it's linked in, it's tied in uh, to our relationship with God uh, and with, other, with others, and it's difficult, right? Prayer, uh, forgiveness is a difficult thing for us to do because, you know, we don't want to admit that we have a problem uh, or that we even need forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. And he even uh, uh, mentions, mentions it's the only part of the prayer that he then has a follow-up to, uh, right? Yeah, so it's, he, it's so embodied in it that he says, I want to tell you more about this. Just like you want God to forgive you, you need to forgive others. He goes on and makes this teaching. He goes on and makes this point that um, uh, you must forgive others because that's how God is going to forgive you. So it's this life lesson that Jesus wants his disciples uh, to understand and to, uh, and to take on.
And, and while forgiveness is normal and, and foundational in the kingdom, it is, as we've said, it's very difficult. In this world, uh, we fully understand and comprehend that it's hard to forgive, right? The disciples in Jesus seem to discuss forgiveness often, and, and there are probably uh, several reasons for why. They, they, you know, it, they certainly had some disagreements among themselves, so I'm sure they had to have moments where they forgave each other. Right. They were, uh, forgiveness isn't easy, right? We just said that. And then also they were constantly in confrontation with the Pharisees and, and different religious teachers in each town. So I'm sure that led to conflict and that led to times where they had to uh, uh, talk about forgiveness and had to forgive. Uh, Matthew, as a matter of fact, uh, so the Lord's Prayer was in Matthew, and a few chapters later, in chapter 18, there's this conversation between Peter and Jesus about forgiveness. So Peter, it's up on the screen, came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, just hold it right there, because the first century Pharisees taught that you should forgive someone up to three times, that, that you... Someone, someone does something, you can forgive them up to three times. Now, that seems a little odd that they'd have a number, but we kind of do something a little similar, right? We say, three strikes and you're out, right? Hey, I'll give someone another chance, but three strikes and you're out. I know my grandmother used to say, and I remembered it since, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you, right? Yeah. So that's two times. So you can, I'll forgive you once, but the second time, that's as far as I'm going. So see, the Pharisees were saying three times. Well, Peter asked this question, and he says to Jesus, seven? I'm sure Peter felt pretty good about himself, right? He's like, he's like, hey, the Pharisees say three. I'm going to double that, and I'm going to add an, an additional one as well. He's probably feeling pretty good about himself. And really, seven is a high number when you think about it. To forgive someone seven times seems, seems almost absurd, right? So I, I tried to think of a, an illustration, and I think this works pretty well. Is, so imagine your, your neighbor borrows your lawnmower and doesn't return it. Well, so what do you do? You go over to their house, knock on the door and say, hey, do you got my lawnmower? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. And so you forgive him and you take your lawnmower back. And well, that's, that's one time. Well, he borrows it again and doesn't return it a second time. And you go back and ask it, oh, sorry. So you forgive him a second time. Well, then you hear from another neighbor that he's been talking about you, about how you have this real big possessive thing going on with your lawnmower. And so now he's gossiping about you. And so you go, oh, I'll forgive you a third time. At this point, I'm done. Right? And this is only three. So Peter is saying, hey, seven times, Jesus. How about seven? I think, that, I think I'm beginning to understand what you're talking about with forgiveness. But Jesus says this. No, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. So Jesus tells Peter, three times isn't enough. What the Pharisees are doing, that's not enough. Seven, Peter, that's not enough either. You need to forgive someone 490 times. Now, Jesus wasn't suggesting we need spreadsheets with each person's name and we keep tally marks of how many times we forgive somebody. But what he's letting Peter know and letting us know is that forgiveness in God's kingdom is not connected to a number. It's a lifestyle. That it's our first response and practice. That it becomes our attitude. It becomes who we are to be someone with a forgiving heart. I love that. And so, again, Jesus, when he wants to really drive something home, yeah. he would tell a story. Because I think he understood that we 
remember stories. You know, when Rick and I use illustrations and messages, folks will often remember the illustration, not necessarily the message or even the point. <laughs> uh, so Jesus wanted to tell a story about forgiveness. So he tells the story about a king who uh, has loaned money out to a number of his servants, and he's decided it's time to pay him back. So he calls one of the servants in who owes him millions, just to contemporize it, owes him a lot. And he calls this guy in, and he says, it's time to pay me back. And the servant falls on his face and says, I don't have the money right now. Please give me more time to put it together so I can pay you back. Please, please give me more time. And the king looks at the servant and says, you know what? Not only am I not going to, uh, I'm going to extend the time. I'm not even going to ask you to pay me back. I forgive the debt. And you can imagine the relief that this guy felt, the joy, the gratitude he felt at the king's generosity in forgiving his debt. So he's grateful, he's thankful, he goes out, he's walking the streets, and he comes across a guy who owes him thousands of dollars. And he says to this guy, hey, I want you to pay me back. And the guy says, I, I don't have the money right now. He falls on, his, on the ground. He begs this other servant, please don't make me pay you right now. Give me time. And the guy says, forget it, and has him thrown into jail. Jesus says in the story, the king finds out about this servant, calls him back and says, are you kidding? I forgave you millions, and you couldn't forgive this guy thousands? And has him thrown into jail until he can pay the full debt well, tells us, I think, some important things about forgiveness. The first is that vertical thing, that God has forgiven you, God has forgiven me so much that my debt to him is beyond calculation, right? That's how much I owe, and he has forgiven all of it. Then you see the absurdity, really, of our refusal, my refusal, to forgive somebody who has offended me, who's taken my lawnmower and not given it back and said bad things about me and so forth. In comparison, those are small things. And so when I refuse to forgive, the absurdity of it, it's a part of being in the kingdom. The other thing I think it tells us is that forgiveness is costly. Mm -hmm. It's not free to forgive. It costs something. It costs Jesus his life. It cost God sending his son in order to achieve our forgiveness. Forgiveness is costly. So it's not that it doesn't cost anything to forgive. It's not that it's easy to forgive, but it's important to forgive. You know, Lewis Smedes wrote this about forgiveness, and I love this quote, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be remembering this one for a long time. It says this, they... Uh, that when you owe another, <laughs> sorry about that. It's this reading thing that I have issues with. Um, I can't find Want it. Me? Oh, here it is. Yeah. I got it. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover the prisoner was you. You see, it's this idea that when we hold on to resentments, when we hold on to anger, when we refuse to forgive others their sins against us, their trespasses, their debts, when we refuse to forgive, actually we're the ones in prison. Now, forgiveness is different than reconciliation, all right? Forgiveness is a solo act. I do that. I don't need the other person's permission. I don't need them to respond. I don't need them to accept. I can offer forgiveness 
all on my own. It's a solo thing. Reconciliation, that takes uh, relationship. It's a back and forth and so forth. That's a, different, that's a different message for a different time. But to be part of the kingdom of God, to be part of God's desire for you to walk in faith, calls us to live lives of forgiveness. It's costly. It costs Jesus everything. And so in just a moment, we're going to enter into communion to be reminded of the cost of forgiveness, God's forgiveness for you, and this reminder of our need to forgive each other. And before we uh, uh, celebrate communion together, let's pray together uh, a prayer of confession. It'll be up on the screen right here on my, uh, over my shoulder, and we'll pray this prayer together. Let's pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, nor loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.